0: He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. Father, thank you for rest. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity uh, to get to spend some time with my family, some much needed time. Uh, Father, I praise you for this church um, stepping up last week. And uh, thank you for Bojo again. Just Father, I praised you after he preached it. And I'm gonna praise you now. It's a phenomenal sermon. Thank you for taking over, um, allowing Bojo to be that vessel. It's been awesome to watch uh, to watch him continue to just preach tough topics and knock them out of the park. Father, we praise you because we know you're the one that stepped in. Uh, Father, I'm asking the same thing of you today. Father, I'm asking that. You take me completely away from this. Father, you replace me with you. Father, I just, I'm claiming the Holy Spirit. Come out and touch these people today, myself included. Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, that you take any doubt, distraction, anger, Father, that you take that away from me and you replace it with your wisdom, your boldness. And Father, as always, most importantly, your love. ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. For the next few weeks, we're going to take a journey. We're going to go way back in time to the Old Testament. And we're going to learn from some of the greatest heroes in the Bible. This series is entitled Lessons from the Past. These people that we're going to learn about over the next few weeks have left examples of us, or excuse me, examples for us on how to be a strong Christian warrior. Today I want to visit about Nehemiah. That's going to be the first person we talk about today. Nehemiah, that's my boy. I love Nehemiah. I call him the great delegator, but absolutely love his story. Again, we'll get into that. Before we get started, I want to give you a little background on Nehemiah. In 586 BC, God's people, the Israelites, had disobeyed God. And because of this, God allowed Babylon to destroy Jerusalem and take the Israelites into captivity. After this, the Israelites were forced to leave Jerusalem. 47 years later, 539 BC, Babylon fell to Persia. While under Persia's rule, the Israelites were treated much better. In fact, they were allowed to return to Jerusalem freely and live there if they pleased. However, the Israelites that did return faced major struggles. They lacked direction and leadership. They also had no protection because the walls, their security system, the walls around Jerusalem had uh, been destroyed by the Babylonians. That's where Nehemiah comes in. Guys, real quick, I just wanna point this out. If you've got your Bibles today, Follow along, just go d- directly to Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, and follow along. If you don't have your Bibles, start bringing your Bibles, bring a highlighter with you, bring a pen. For the next few weeks, these stories that I'm going to tell, there is some great stuff in there, and I want to make sure that you are catching it, you're highlighting it, you're notizing it, to where you can go back and review these in the future, okay? So if you've got your Bibles, follow along. We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, forgive me if I pronounce that wrong, Artaxerxes, reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Okay, this is Nehemiah speaking, by the way, and he's talking about being at the fortress of Susa. Okay, Nehemiah was not born in Jerusalem. Uh, He was living at this palace. Uh, He had never been to Jerusalem. We find out in verse 11 that Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. We're going to get to that, but I want to explain what a cupbearer is. It's an officer of high rank, and he is trusted greatly by the king. The best way to describe this is Nehemiah was an, a, a, a great butler, if you will. Uh, he was the one that, when you know the king, before he would eat, he would drink his wine, he would drink whatever it was he was drinking to test it and make sure there was no poison. Uh, in other words, he you know—he was willing to give his life up for the king daily, multiple times a day. He would eat some of his food, make sure it wasn't poisoned, but he was a great, he was like this great butler, if you will, okay, very trusted by the king, okay? He lived in the castle, he had done very well for himself, Nehemiah had, and in verses 2-3, through three, this is where Nehemiah's brother comes to visit him. At that time, he comes in, his brother comes to him, he says, Hey, you know, coming from Jerusalem, Nehemiah says, Hey, how's, how's Jerusalem, how's the town, how's the people, how's everything going? And his brother goes on to tell him that the walls are still destroyed. Uh, they can't get people together to rebuild the walls. There's a major struggle with leadership. And Nehemiah hurts for this um let's just let's move ahead i don't want to stop right there let's look at actually we got to look at one more thing guys i'm sorry i got ahead of myself kislev the month of kislev this is very important i'm glad i didn't skip past this that's the month of december okay and this is in the year 446 bc the month of december at this time nehemiah is only 27 years old Okay, those are two things I need you to remember. I need you to remember he's 27, and I need you to remember this is in December. Okay, very important. We're going to come back to that date. Let's go look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. When I heard this, this is Nehemiah, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Even though Nehemiah had never lived in Jerusalem, guys, he was still hurt. Because these were his people, this was his family, and they were all suffering. I want you to also remember the word days. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed. For days he did this. We're going to come back to that as well. After this, Nehemiah set the example of what we should do uh, after we receive bad news. He went to God in prayer. Let's look at Nehemiah 1.5. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps this covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Guys, in this prayer, in the next few verses, in fact, it's 5 through 11. This is Nehemiah's prayer. He sets a great example for us on how to pray. If you notice, he starts out by praising God. O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God. Okay? He's praising God at the beginning of his prayer. That's something that we should always do. When we first start to pray, we should praise him first and foremost. The second thing that I get from this verse is he says, God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, he is reminding him of a promise, of a covenant. And if y'all remember, we talked about God's promises a couple weeks ago, and we did that for two weeks. Right here, he's reminding God. Of that covenant. It's a great thing to do in prayer. God wants us to know his word and repeat his word back to him. He wants, he wants us, he, he wants to know that we're actually studying this. And we actually know the promises that he's put in place for us. Again, it's like I said a few weeks ago, it's up to us to go grab them though, right? Let's look at uh, 6 through 7. Again, still in the prayer, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly, but not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Again, sets a great example in this prayer. He confesses his sins in this prayer. So he starts out by praising him. And he reminds him of his promises. Then he confesses of the sins that he has. But the one thing that I really want you to catch, yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying your commands. He's not just praying for himself, guys. He's praying for others. How often do we do that? When we go to prayer, how often are we praying for others and for their sins? I'm guilty of it. I don't do it as much as I should. Although, the more I become a pastor, the more I pray for y'all sins. Yeah, especially you. Again, he sets a great example, though, guys. Let's look at 8 through 9. Please remember that you told your servant Moses, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But, but, if you return to me and obey my commands, and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. He is reminding him again of another promise that he gave his child Moses. Got to remind him of these promises, guys. And then the last two verses of this prayer, 10 and 11, The people who rescued you, or excuse me, the people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it on his heart to be kind to me. He's asking for success. There's nothing wrong with asking for success to God as long as it lines up with his will. And that's what he's doing here. Again, great example in this prayer. At the end of verse 11, it says, put it on his heart. He's talking about the king. He's fixing to go visit with the king. You know, we talked about this weeks back. We had a sermon on controversial conversations. And again, he sets a great example here. He's walking into a tough conversation with his boss. And he's going to have to talk to him about the walls at Jerusalem and beg him to go and rebuild these walls. It's so great to pray ahead of time when you walk into those types of conversations. Again, God, soften their heart. God, put it on their heart. God, give them the heart of understanding. God, help them to understand that I'm coming in completely out of love. Okay? Again, great example. Now we're going to jump over to chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 2. Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Arxerxes. This is during his reign, guys. I was serving the king his wine. So again, he's the cupbearer, serving his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Okay. Nisan, the month of Nisan. If you remember back in chapter 1, verse 1, I told you to remember the date that Kislev was December. Nissan is April. This is April. So this is four months later. You might say, why in the world is this important? Why is it so important that we remember these four months? I want to go back and look at chapter 1, verse 4, real quick. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So days, for days I mourned, wept, and prayed. That's four months. Four months he did this, okay? After reading Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 1, verses 5 through 11 that we just read, we realized that God had put it on Nehemiah's heart to go and rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. Here in verse 4, he is emotional. Again, he wept. Guys, I believe for two reasons he wept. Number one, because his heart for the people. He he truly, he loved his heritage. I mean, that was the thing. He loved his heritage. He loved his people. He loved his brother who came to visit with him. So that's one reason why he wept. Now, this is a Micahism. This is not biblical. But I believe there's a second reason why he was weeping, why he was in such sorrow. And that second reason is because God had come to him and asked him to do something that was going to take him way out of his comfort zone. It's going to be hard. And he knew he had to do it when God asked me to start this church I wept like a baby and it was out of fear I'm not gonna lie to y'all I was scared who's gonna listen to me you know who's crazy enough to listen to me <laughs> <laughs> who's crazy enough to even try and start this church with me like the, the <laughs> got to be back beggar raising his hand love you Dustin thank you man <laughs> But guys, I, I can feel this pain. I feel that's why he wept. This is a 27-year-old, guys. I need y'all to think about this. This is a 27-year-old that's living in the palace. This is an Israelite living with the king of Persia at a high rank. This dude got it made, y'all. He's living in the castle. And God says, hey, I need you to leave your life right now. You're 27 years old. You're in the prime of your life. I need you to leave the castle. I need you to go to Jerusalem. And I need you to rebuild the wall. And I need you to tell the people that I sent you to rebuild the wall. When y'all were 27, is that something that would be easy to do? No. I want to go back to the importance of this date. God put it on Nehemiah's heart in December. However, it is now April. Again, this is four months later. And Nehemiah has not acted. On what God asked him to do. Four months. He's not acted on it. When God puts something on your heart. I don't know about y'all. This is how I am. I want to fix it. Like immediately. Like that's my thought process. Okay God you put this on my heart. I'm going to go attack the problem. Nehemiah is giving us a great lesson right here. The reason why he didn't act immediately. Is because he prayed for four months on God's timing not his timing on God's timing it's a great lesson that we definitely need to take advantage of that we need to take this lesson that he's trying to teach us because we always even though our heart's in the right place okay even though our heart's in the right place and we feel like okay we need to go fix this problem if you jump out there ahead of God that's a problem when God puts something on your heart the very next thing you should do Just pray on his timing. Okay, God, I know you've put this on my heart, but now show me when I need to do this. Don't get ahead of him. Because a lot of times he'll put something on your heart, you'll jump ahead of him, and he was going to prepare everything for you. And you got ahead of him, and you get there, and nothing's prepared. And it's just total destruction, right? Right? Another thing about this four months of praying. Guys, how many times do we pray for something one time and we quit praying? Forty days. Excuse me, four months. Four months. Nehemiah prays every day for four months. We pray once, twice, maybe three times, and we give up. That's not God's purpose. It's not his will. It's not happening. Guys, when God puts something on your heart, continue to pray. Because I promise you, if you put it on your heart, it may be years. But at some point, he'll open that door for you. You better be prepared. I want to go back to chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. I want to start with just about the middle of verse 1. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Man, what this verse tells me is, is don't don't sit there and, and be Debbie Downer all the time. Obviously Nehemiah was a pretty stout guy. He didn't complain much because if he did, the king would have never even paid attention to him being down. Do y'all follow me here? If you're always negative, people aren't gonna pay attention to you when they know something's wrong because you always look like something's wrong. <laughs> it's annoying, right? Am I right? Like I know some there's other people in here who got people around maybe in their circle that's kind of like that you know it's Debbie Downer y'all remember saying that Live Debbie Downer yeah. don't be Debbie Downer Nehemiah you can tell always presented himself positive encouraging strong because the one time it says I mean this is the one time in his presence that he felt down the king was like man something's wrong with Nehemiah as a Christian we should not be this Debbie Downer we should not be this person that's always negative because again Sometimes it camouflages when something's actually wrong and you need somebody to lift you up. The other thing from this verse at the end of it so the king asked me, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. God just opened the door. Four months later, Nehemiah's been praying. If you notice, he didn't go to the king and tell him his troubles. He didn't, got, he didn't go try to bust the door open, guys. He waited on God to open the door for him. And as soon as the king asked the question, door opened wide. Now Nehemiah can spill it. He can let him know why he's so troubled. Even though Nehemiah was terrified, we're going to look at this. Let's go look at verse chapter 2, verse 3. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Again, obviously he's terrified. I would be too. You're sitting there talking to the king that can kill you at the snap of a finger if he wants to. If he doesn't like what you said, if he disagrees with what you said, he can take you out if he wants to. Even though you're one of his trusted people, you're his cupbearer, it doesn't matter to him, you're still an Israelite. You're basically a slave. So if he says something wrong... His life could be over. So he's terrified. But here's the cool thing about it. Even though he's terrified, he knows in that moment God's opened the door. He's confident in what God's given him. Guys, when God opens that door, yeah, it's going to be scary. That first step is really scary. But guys, I'm telling you, walk through it with what we call god in this church. Because if he opens the door for you, he's ready for you to step in. It's what Nehemiah teaches us here. Even though he's terrified. He still goes through that door. Let's go look at Nehemiah 2, verses 4 through 5. The king asked, well, how can I help you? Again, door wide open, right? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are living. I'm assuming that's what that says. Guys, I love where he goes into prayer. If you notice, right after the king says to him, how can I help you? Again, door's wide open, okay? Now he's literally wide open. I can say whatever I want to say on how he can help me. Instead of him jumping right into it, he prays again. And I need you to picture this. He's sitting there with the king, and I know some of us have done this before. I know I have many times, where somebody says something, And I'm a little hesitant to answer it, and I go into prayer in my head, God, give me the words. Give me the words. Give me your boldness to say exactly what it is that you want me to say. Again, Nehemiah setting a great example here. Don't just start blurting. As soon as he opens the door, the next step is to pray on how God wants it done, not how you want it done, how God wants it done. So he takes that step. We're going to go look at verse 6. This part's really cool. I did a lot of studying on this verse. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. This is really cool. Notice it says the queen sitting beside him. Why is that important? Why does it even matter that the queen is sitting next to the king? Does anybody in this room know who the queen is at this moment? You took it away from me, Mikey. <laughs> it's Esther. It's Esther. A lot of people don't catch this. The book of Esther comes after Nehemiah in the Bible, but these two books are not in chronological order. The story of Nehemiah was actually after the story of Esther. Esther was a Jewish woman who actually married the Persian king Xerxes, who was the father of Artaxerxes, who is the king here in Nehemiah, with Nehemiah in this story. Uh, by marrying Xerxes, she was able to protect the Jewish people and help start rebuild the nation of Israel. Most of us know that story. If you don't, go read it. It's a great story. It's not long. It's an excellent story. It's one of the strongest women I've ever walked through the Bible. Again, it's the book after Nehemiah. At this time, Xerxes had died, but it was custom for the queen to stay in her position until she died. So even though Esther was not Artaxerxes' wife, she still held the position of queen. Nehemiah had an ally in his corner. I can't help but think that she had something to do with the king agreeing to allow him to leave for four months. And here's the thing, I promise you, he asked for a longer amount of time than that. I don't think he thought that it was going to be as quick as it was to rebuild that wall. I think he might ask for a year off. This is what God will do, guys. When, when God gives you a mission, He's going to put people around you that will help you complete that mission. This is where Esther steps in. The same thing happened to us with this church. Um, a gentleman by the name of Chance McGuire. Does anybody know Chance in this room? Anybody at all? well you need to get to know him, he's a great guy Chance was on the board of Veritas, this used to be Veritas private school and we were looking myself and Don we're looking for a location to start the church, we didn't have a location and, and then you can ask Don, we spent days praying trying to find a location and every time we found a spot something fell through, something went wrong they wanted too much money, whatever it may be we couldn't afford it had a lot of issues Chance walks into the jewelry store at Christmas not knowing any of this and I remembered he was on the school board at Veritas and I thought to myself when he walked in I was like man I need to ask him if they would be willing to just rent out Sundays so we just got a place to start well I didn't get a chance to get to him so Chance leaves I thought oh darn and I was kind of mad I was like I need to call him I need to text him but guys let me tell you what I did I prayed God if this is you Put him back in front of me. It's your timing, it's not mine. I'm not gonna force this. I'm not gonna call him right now. God, if I'm forcing it, it's gonna fall apart. I need you to step in and put him in front of me. The next day, he walks back in the George store. I don't have a customer this time. Walk right up to him, ask him the question. This was his response. We're having a school board meeting tonight. We actually discussed it at our last school board meeting about renting this place out for a church on Sundays. God will put people around you that will help you to get through your mission. If he opens that door, if your timing's right, he will place people around you in his timing at the right time where it just makes sense and it's easy. It was easy. But we jump the gun. We try to get ahead of him. So important, guys, that we pray about it. Let's go look at uh, verses 7 through 8. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the provinces west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. He done got bold, y'all. I mean, Nehemiah done got bold, you know. He said, <laughs> I can see him right now. He's like... The Esther over there, like, yeah, you're going to do this. Like, she's kicking the king. Like, you're going to do this because this is my people. And he's like, that's my girl. And I'm going to continue to do it because I know he's going to have to answer to her at some point in time. You know what I'm saying? So so he's asking here that I want to travel safely through the territories of Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Aspha, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him. He gets real bold. Instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for my own house. Getting bold. And the king granted these requests because of the gracious hand of God was on me. Not only did D.M.I. get a two-month vacation, or however long he asked for, He also received a government passport to travel the land protected. In verse 8, he received a government grant, guys. That wood was a government grant. The government of Persia paid for the wall to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. Y'all catching this? See, so many times God will put something on your heart, and it'll look really big, and it's going to take a lot of money or a lot of manpower to get there that's nothing for God. God supplied the money. He even supplied the wood for him to build his own dang house. Guys, if you're following in those footsteps, if you're following God's timing, again, he puts everything in place for you. He makes it easy. Makes it easy. Now it's hard to step up and have the courage to take the step and to walk through those doors when they are open. But once you do, He starts to just drop things right in your path. It's the coolest thing. Because of the gracious hand of God was on him, God, excuse me, Nehemiah is giving God all the glory here. But the cool part is, is God's not done. Let's look at verse 9. When I came to the governors of the province west of Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. Nehemiah didn't even ask for that. When you're walking in God's path and he's given you a mission and you're staying on his path, he'll give you more than you asked for. And he'll make it easy. He'll make it easy. Nehemiah didn't have to worry about anything. He was protected the whole time. We, uh, when we started the church, I know I keep going back to this, but it's the examples that I have to give you guys, and some of y'all know this story, but when we decided to start the church, God told me that it needed to be called Christian Warriors Church, we were a ministry, it was Christian Warriors Ministry, okay, and that ministry had been going on for years, we had done a phenomenal job in the community, we had really built God's name up through that ministry, people knew who Christian Warriors Ministry was, I went to the board, and said hey i'm starting a church and and by the way god has asked me to use the name christian warriors church so i'm coming to you guys and i'm asking if i can use that name now these are board members who had been there pretty much since day one they put a lot of blood sweat and tears into this ministry that had grown tremendously for god had set the example to be god's hands and feet in this community we're very proud of that ministry it was hard I can only imagine how hard it was for my brothers that were sitting there that night when I got up and I walked out of that room I left it with God I did what he asked me to do I went and asked for what he asked what he wanted me to ask for here's the cool part about it not only did they give us the name (laughs) they gave us the 5013C they gave us the trailer they gave us all the money in the bank account and they gave us all of the social media accounts. We were ready to start church. I didn't ask for that. God supplied it. That's what he does. Just do what he tells you to do. And he'll give you everything else that you need. Just take the step. We find out in the rest of chapter 2 that once Nehemiah reached Jerusalem, there were other leaders that uh, opposed the rebuilding of the wall. Guys, when God gives you a mission, there were three men, and we're going to get to that a little bit, but there were three men that were completely opposed of the wall being rebuilt, and these were supposed to be three leaders in Jerusalem. When God gives you a mission, yeah, he gives you the things you need, but he's still going to put you through some storms, and this is that situation. Nehemiah shows up, 27 years old, Okay? Shows up, you got these three guys. I looked everywhere. I couldn't figure out how old they were, but I'm assuming they were older than him. Probably people that the Israelites looked at as they had a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge, and they looked at Nehemiah as a 27-year-old who's been living in a you know, a, a, a castle his whole life. You know, I like think he was a spooled, rotten kid. And you got these three leaders that have been there since the time of coming back after the Persians taken over. And it's hard for a 27-year-old to step in there, put his foot down, and say, this is how it's going to be. But I need you all to understand, when God gives you a mission like he did in Nehemiah, there are going to be people that get in your way. Some of your own blood, maybe. They're going to deny you. They're going to bring you down. They're going to speak negative. How many of y'all have somebody like that in your life right now? They bring you down. You're trying to do things right. You're trying to get to church. You're trying to get your kids to church. You're trying to grow in your relationship with God. And you got somebody over there that's saying, why are you doing that? Have you lost your mind? He's not real. Why are you going to that church? And people are crazy. <laughs> You're going to have people that try to stop you and they try to stop you because they'll start rumors about you that's what they did to Nehemiah they'll talk negative about you that's what they did to Nehemiah and then they'll even curse you to your face that's what they did with Nehemiah when God gives you a mission there's going to be obstacles don't let anything stop you from carrying out that mission And Nehemiah did a phenomenal job at putting those three men in their place and moving forward He set, again, a great example, guys. 539 B.C., the Israelites were allowed to go back to Jerusalem and start to rebuild the wall. Seven years later, Nehemiah shows up. With God's help, the wall is rebuilt in 52 days. I'm going to give you some stats on this wall. It's 2.5 miles long, 40 feet tall and eight feet thick. 52 days. The other leaders had seven years. Nehemiah walks in there with God's help in his timing and knocks it out in 52 days. There are contractors today that say even with the equipment we have now, this is not possible but God. I want to close with this. This is the biggest thing that I get out of the story of Nehemiah. At the beginning, his brother comes to him, tells him what's going on, and it breaks Nehemiah's heart. He wept and prayed for days, four months we're talking about here. So, I'm going to close with this, and it's a question to you guys. Do you have a heart like Nehemiah? When people come to you that are struggling, you hear about somebody that's struggling, does your heart break for them? When God puts something on your heart that's hard to do, do you struggle? There's a lot of people hurting, guys. A lot of people. There's a lot of people that are seeking God. That should break your heart. And this church needs to be the church that steps up and shows them God. When God gives you a mission, just walk through the door. Pray on the timing. Walk through the door. Just like this story in Nehemiah, this is what we learned from it. He will supply your every need as long as you stay in his timing. Amen.